One Week Season. fam we're here or i'm here i should say uh the 2022 nfl season is a couple weeks underway at this point uh but this is the first that you're hearing from me b fritz 12 your host for this particular reflection podcast why is this well because i My wife and I planned a trip back home. We're in Raleigh, North Carolina, and our family's from the Midwest uh, right at the beginning of football season. Bad planning, maybe, but really, at the end of the day, wouldn't have too much say or things couldn't have been changed a whole bunch because uh, we did some baby showers and... Uh, the timing was just right in terms of where she was at in her pregnancy. So uh, this is where we were at. And basically, I told the team here at OWS that um, I didn't want to force anything as I just really wasn't going to have any time uh, whatsoever to spend on DFS or, or meaningful um, research and didn't want to deliver a watered down product. So here we are, uh, family trip in the books, uh, got to watch my bears be destroyed in Lambeau field. Uh, my, my wife and her family are season ticket holders. So yes, we are a house divided, something I swore to myself that I would never, never do um, (laughs) as a diehard Bears fan as a kid. But uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun. Honestly, the just pure enjoyment of being at a game somehow made it less painful to watch. Um, But yeah, so we got that in the books. We got a bunch of diapers. We got uh, a bunch of other things. Uh, For those of you that don't know, this is my wife and I's first. Um, So it's it's kind of crazy and weird to be receiving all the things, as I'm sure many of you have experienced. Uh, You know, I've got our closet full of things in the what is to be nursery uh so it's just weird seeing all that stuff come together and be like yeah i'm gonna have to support a a child soon my life is going to be quite a bit different um so those things are all out of the way family time in the books and now we're back we're back to being on track here um for the most part I am a bit under the weather today, so I'm likely going to be a bit subdued, and uh, hopefully I have enough clarity mentally to uh, be able to talk through some of these things here, and yeah, I'm just excited to get this thing started, so I wanted to at least jump on here and talk a little bit of NFL Week 3 with you. So with that... Let's go ahead and jump on in. So for those of you 
that hung out with me last year during the 2021 season. Uh, I was doing weekly sessions in Discord. We were doing live sessions, uh, kind of hanging out and reflecting and just kind of uh, just being really open and using it as a space to grow together. And so while this is a recorded podcast, I still want it to have that same feel. And therefore, I would love your feedback, uh, comments, suggestions, anything uh, in regards to this particular podcast. I, I still want to maintain that kind of dialogue, even if it isn't live. So uh, feel free to hit me up in Discord for those of you that are OWS members. And uh, yeah, just wanted to kind of put that out there first and foremost, that even though we're changing the way that this is delivered, uh, I'd still love to be in contact with you all because that's for me is just um, part of what makes it so fun. With that being said, I am going to try some things with this. I have uh, some ideas about how I want to handle it, uh, a certain structure to it, some segments that I want to do. But like I said, at the end of the day, I I really want to know what you think. So please provide feedback and, uh, yeah, let me, let me give you the best that I can. Um, so jumping into week three here, The overall theme for this particular week and podcast is going to be process over results. So like many of you here at OWS, uh, the tale of the last two weeks for me, because I did actually end up playing a little bit last weekend. And good thing I did because uh, I had a winning week myself, even though I had less entries and dollars invested because week three was a pretty brutal losing week in which I basically lost everything that I put in and finished at the the far left or the bottom of the contests compared to last week, which was completely the opposite. And just from, like I said, uh, a little bit of browsing through Discord and such, it sounds like uh, many of you were in the same boat. So I wanted to talk about process of our results because I was actually very happy with my strategy this week and the way in which I approached my play. So uh, this is just so incredibly important in DFS is to know why you're creating the lineups you are and know why you have the strategy, uh, why you're putting together the portfolio of lineups that you are, it's very important to be confident in that going into the weekend. Not necessarily confident that you're going to win, but confident in why you chose to do so. I know we talked about this many a time uh, last season in the reflection 
uh, community session that I was doing, which was basically, how do I feel good about my lineups? How do I know if I made the right choices? And the answer to that is and will always be, you have to know that going in. You have to know that before lock, before kickoff. And then from there, of course, you can do further analysis and reflection, but that should at least be your starting point is feeling really good about how you're going into the week and uh, and what your your lineups look like. So what did this look like for me? Well, for me in small field tourneys, my strategy was to stack offenses that I thought were in a good spot. So basically um, taking a quarterback, running back, and receiver from that team. Now, I talked about this a little bit last year as well, um, that this is actually a pretty viable strategy in like very small fields. So if you're playing the hundos, which I know a lot of you who are bankroll building are, uh, so you have about 100 entries those are tourneys in which you don't need this massive, massive score uh, with you know all ceiling from every position. So if you think that an offense is going to put up four or potentially even five touchdowns, taking both the quarterback and the running back from that offense can potentially be uh, a good situation to just soak up all the points, especially if these running backs catch passes. So that was what I did in small fields. And um, rather than just have a a single entry lineup that I ran everywhere, I ran a few just because I liked a few different offenses and didn't think there was necessarily anything that um, put these over one another. And I kind of just wanted to mix and match some guys that I, I really liked this week. So of those, uh, I did a Burrow, Mixon, Jamar Chase lineup and then brought it back with Elijah Moore, um, Garrett Wilson as well in one of them. I uh, did a, yeah, I know this is going to be rough, uh, Justin Fields, David Montgomery, Cole Komet. I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go here and a Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, AJ Brown. So like I said, the idea there was um, teams that I thought had a pretty good chance of putting up decent scores, at least price considered, um, trying to soak up all those points. Another thing that I did here was uh, tried to grab blocks that I thought had a really great amount of floor and ceiling. So specifically, the two blocks that I was uh, rotating in that were expensive. This is not uh, some salary saving block here. This is more a certainty and ceiling were the obvious Dalvin and Justin Jefferson, although ironically uh, not so obvious in hindsight. (laughs) 
again, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more as we go. And the other one that I really liked that was much lower owned was Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. So that was to give you an idea of what I was doing from a, a small field tourney strategy. Uh, but to even zoom out or just get a little bit more general strategy, essentially what I was trying to do either within those, like with the field stack and the, the Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman stack, or um, just with some of the one-off plays that I mixed in, essentially my strategy here in week three was how can I grab guys or teams that people are either souring on because their usage or results haven't been there in the first two weeks and that people are kind of forgetting about and essentially just trying to capitalize on that unknown. Uh, in NFL, we are always going to have a massive edge when it comes to recency bias. And I really, really enjoy the first three or four weeks of the NFL season because people so quickly latch on to what happens in week one, week two, even week three, and just assuming that this is how it's going to be. And that, okay, this guy's going to be great this year. This guy's going to be garbage this year. This team is going to be great this year. And so I am always trying to capitalize on that. That's just my personal play style. Uh, but I also think that in NFL, it is one of our biggest edges. And so that was very much what I was trying to do this weekend. So like I said, with Justin Fields, um, even in hindsight, right? It looks disgusting. My thought here, and I wrote this in my notes uh, leading up to this game, was if the Bears are going to have a good game, this is the spot. And therefore, I'm going to bet on them when everybody else is afraid to, realizing that everybody may be right, <laughs> um, that they are not great. But that maybe, just maybe, Justin Fields is a good dual threat quarterback and they can have a decent game here against a uh, not great Texans team at home. Unfortunately, that was not true. Uh, the, I mean, the Bears have thrown 45 passes in the first three weeks, which is just <laughs> absolutely insane um but so that's just an example um another example is elijah moore he was one of my favorite uh one-off pieces this week because i w wasn't really doing uh flacco stackos um but yeah one of my favorite plays this week just because the the usage is still there the results just haven't been and so, and like he just has a ceiling for his price. Um, Jamar Chase is uh, another guy who I felt similarly about. I really 
really loved that uh, skinny stack of of more and chase that I was trying to throw in where I could fit that. Jonathan Taylor was another one, uh, you know, like RB1 going into the year and just struggling so far. What if this week was the week where in a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, there was some back and forth scoring and he ends up punching in two, maybe even three touchdowns. So this was what I was trying to do, you know, these uh, capitalize on these questions of is the Bears offense really this lame? Is the Colts O-line really this bad? And basically just placing my bets on the unknowns. Didn't work out this week, um, but I am still happy with it. Wouldn't change it. Some other things here that I was betting on, and this is just to give you an idea, not saying this is right or wrong, um, but just to, you know, you can kind of check your own process against this. I know one of the biggest things in DFS is is really helpful to be like, oh, like they were thinking the same exact thing as me and um, I don't actually suck that much. (laughs) Uh, So um, this is kind of in that vein. Uh, I was and this was talked about at OWS this week. And something that I really liked was Buffalo and Miami, quote unquote, failing. I really thought that that was a sharp take and was definitely ready to bet on that myself. Um, not because I necessarily thought it was the most likely thing to happen. And uh, again, at OWS here, like we talked about that, but specifically because of all of the recency bias off of these two teams. There's just, I mean, so, so much hype after both of these teams' last games. Uh, So this is just one of those places that I personally am always going to uh, try to be underweight on. And so this week for me, it just worked out where I essentially didn't want to have any pieces of it and wasn't worried about missing out on it. Uh, With that, and to kind of gain leverage there, I was betting on KC at Indianapolis, or excuse me, um, versus Indianapolis. Uh, Just thought this was a spot that had potential. I thought that, as I talked about my JT Pittman block there, uh, really thought that those two and the Colts in general could bounce back. Not again, not necessarily that I thought for sure they were going to bounce back. I genuinely question their offensive line situation and how that's going to work out for them. But I was willing to bet on that uncertainty and to say, hey, these are two guys that essentially have all of this team's upside and just an immense amount of their volume. And uh, Kansas City has some nice bringbacks in Travis Kelsey, who is going to go low-owned on a week like this where it was hard to fit in that salary. And Juju, who has not had a big week yet, but is still the number two there. Um, So always like to focus on offenses where... 
the uh, the distribution is just so so narrow, and so I really really liked that. Now, this is where I think this process over results conversation is really important because, sure, that game failed also, but if Buffalo-Miami does indeed fail and instead Casey and Indy does go off and the teams score, you know, there's 20 more points scored or something like that, uh, now I'd be sitting pretty, right? So it's just an example of not being too results-oriented. I was betting on the Bears, sad but true, and not because I'm a a homer in that way, but because I legitimately think that Fields is better than his showings thus far. I think it has a lot to do with coaching, but at this point, it really does look like uh, whether it's him or not, this Bears offense outside of the running game is just going to be stay away. So uh, RIP Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet and uh, Justin Fields. And yeah, uh, overall, just betting on volume in general. So Dalvin, uh, Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery, Brandon Cooks, you know, that was a a chalky guy I was in on because I threw him on in on those bear stacks and I knew that people wouldn't be stacking the bears. So I knew that was enough to differentiate me. So that is essentially where I was at this week. Uh, betting on the unknown, trying to capitalize on that uncertainty and this idea from the field that Uh, we do have a certain amount of certainty and we do know how teams or players are going to perform, which in a two week sample size uh, is just impossible to know. So that's how I approach things. Didn't work out for me, but I'm very happy with it. And I knew that going into lock into kickoff and that's where I want to be every week. And that way I know that I'm not sitting there on Sunday night or on a Monday morning beating myself up or wishing that I had done something differently. And let me tell you, been there, done that. So getting to this place where I can be really happy about where I'm at going into the games is a game changer. All right. That's kind of where we're at from the just general weekly theme here. Uh, I do want to do two other segments here to close us out. So the first one being fluke or fail. And the second being, what did we learn this week? So... Fluke or fail. Essentially, what I want to look at here is some of the week's top performers, whether that was fluky or whether that was just a fail on our part to play them and to identify them. So if we look at the top five scores from this week, and if we're looking at 30 plus points, uh, we can extend that to the top seven. They were Lamar Jackson, Khalil Herbert, Devontae Smith, Mac Hollins, Marquise Brown, 
Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. So what can we take away from this? Well, Lamar being the the top scorer, I mean, he's had back-to-back games of rushing for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And uh, yeah, this week he threw for, I was like 212, 218. (laughs) He's got to be the first guy who's thrown for uh, 218 yards and has managed to get 40 plus points. Just ridiculous from Lamar. But that's who he is. He seems to be back in his form. And yeah, so that's he's going to do Lamar things. Next was Khalil Herbert with 33.9 points. This one, uh, he was essentially chalk without us really knowing because this was the David Montgomery role. Uh, It's funny because David Montgomery has never scored that high before. So it's kind of ironic that Clay Harbert would step in and do that work. But yeah, basically he was chalky uh, again for all intents and purposes. So makes sense. The Bears don't want to throw the ball. Not a great run defense in the Texans. Devontae Smith. This one I am kicking myself a little bit for because I have been a Devontae Smith truther. Uh, I just saw the chemistry that him and Hertz had immediately last year when you like actually watch the games. It was just so clear. It was, you know, uh, Rogers, Devontae Adams-esque in how in sync they were. And I did play some AJ Brown this week, not a ton, but I did. And yeah, it just hurts to not be, no pun intended, uh, not be on Devonte Smith, given how much I've liked him and given the price differential here. Basically, at the end of the day, one or two, like either one of these guys is likely to hit in a given week. Um, They're both just so good. Uh, Could depend on just the day, the matchup, etc. So I think the biggest thing going forward will be trying to figure out who it is, whether it's Devontae Smith or AJ Brown, and could make one of them a little bit harder to choose. Uh, But really not all that surprising, just given how uh, good of athletes they are and how Devonte Smith now has some one-on-one coverage because of AJ Brown's presence. Mac Hollins was the next one. This one's painful because I didn't play any Mac Hollins myself. Uh, but there's something I want to point out here. So he was chalky at his price makes sense. Uh, Here's the thing, though. We didn't know that his usage would continue, right? Like in such a small sample size, we had no reason to believe that he was going to score 30 plus points. The other thing I want to point out here is that Devonte and Hollins each got 10 targets, even though they ended up with very different scores. So this is one of those things where it could have gone the other way. Devante could have been the one scoring 33 points and Mac Hollins could have been the one scoring 14. Now, I didn't look at the 
quality of targets uh, or where they were on the field. So maybe that's not exactly true. But point being, you shouldn't be kicking yourself too hard if you didn't play Mac Hollins. Next up is Marquise Brown. Yeah, I think this one here is he was bound to hit eventually. You got another situation with uh, college teammates here, and it's only a matter of time. Now, he got a whopping 17 targets in this game, so that's definitely helpful. Um, But yeah, I don't think this one's too much of a surprise. And while the rest of the game basically disappointed uh this was a game that looked to be high scoring and some back and forth action so really not too crazy to um see marquise brown in this spot and then we're outside the top five now but uh, josh allen and jalen hurts were the other two guys this week with over 30 points and no big surprise here. I mean, these guys are studs. Similarly to Lamar, true dual threat quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts just have all the weapons around them as well as their legs. So yeah, those two guys are always going to be um, in this range or have the potential for this range. So to kind of wrap this section up, I want to talk about usage versus results, which I kind of mentioned the first one that I had noted down here, which is that Devontae and Matt Collins each got 10 targets, even though they had uh, a point differential of 20 with Devontae scoring 14.2 and Matt Collins scoring 32.96. Uh, so that was the only one that was related. Now we're going to kind of go into some other just uh, random ones here that I kind of just picked from this week. So there's no particular um, rhyme or reason to these other than I think it's interesting to keep in mind going forward. Jamar Chase had a team leading 10 targets despite a 13.7 point performance. He's going to get there. Just, you know, it's just didn't happen this week. Uh, Elijah Moore saw 10 targets. He's going to get there eventually, too. He's going to have big weeks. Uh, the other thing I will note here, though, is that Garrett Wilson uh, lined up another 10 targets. Brees Hall had a whopping 11 targets. And Ty Conklin had eight So while it is encouraging to see Elijah Moore in double digits, uh, it should be noted that these other guys are still soaking up pretty significant uh, percentages of the target share also. And then Jonathan Taylor had 26 opportunities, 21 carries, 5 targets, despite a 12.1 point performance. So a usage is there for this guy. Uh, We just haven't seen the results out of him yet. The big question mark here is whether the offensive line struggles are going to cap that and make this a season-long struggle, or if he just hasn't gotten in a good game yet. All right, 
So what did we learn this week? These are just kind of general NFL things, less player concerned, uh, less specific, I guess I should say. So I feel like this week's aren't anything mind blowing and I'm kind of curious and excited for how this segment can evolve going forward. But for today, at least, uh, what I have for you is that Jacksonville is for real or they are at least not messing around. I mean, wow. I specifically wrote in my notes this week when um, taking my first look at the games that uh, against the Bolts at home was going to be a different beast. And yeah, I mean, you could say Herbert was injured. That's fine. Um, But for them to put up 38 on this Colts or excuse me, Chargers defense was not something that I would have ever expected. So I think that it'll be interesting to continue to watch Jacksonville and we can no longer write them off. Uh, Yeah, Urban Meyer's got to be feeling pretty salty right now. The Bears are not for real. I just figured I'd draw out this joke as long as I could of of being a Bears fan. Um, yeah, really, really sad. I uh, especially after <laughs> seeing Fields' performance in that fourth preseason game, he just looked really good. Like even looking at the tape and stuff, you know, it's not just that it was a preseason game. Like uh, he has a lot of the intangibles and i was pretty excited um but they just don't want to use him and yeah the the bears are a mess uh even though they've scored more points than the green bay packers through three weeks lamar allen and hertz are just alphas i mean these guys are sick they're going to continue to be and in I mean, any week, but especially in games where there could be some back and forth action. Um, These guys, as we've seen, have true 35, 40 point ceilings. So they're going to be priced up. They aren't going to be cheap, but they have the ceiling to make it worth our while. And finally, we don't know shit about fuck. Uh, Quoted from Hilo. (laughs) Uh, you know, like this is this is it, right? The NFL is crazy, and crazy things are going to happen. We've got the Jags stomping the Chargers. We have the Raiders losing to the Titans, who have just looked terrible to start this year, and uh, the Raiders, who are supposed to have this offensive juggernaut. And then we've got the Chiefs and the Bills not breaking at twenty points in the same weekend. There is always going to be parody in the NFL. That's what makes it so much fun and gives us something to exploit. Just remembering that the field has a perceived certainty that simply isn't there allows us to have an edge. So that is week three. Uh, Before I go here, I do just want to mention a few quick notes that I had after week two. Um, I essentially wrote them down while I was away 
and wanted to share here. I'm not going to take a bunch of time or go into these on you know in any level of detail, but I did want to mention them because uh, I just think that they're really important. If you are bankroll building, which I know many of you are, like myself, something that you need to be doing is playing short slates, afternoon slate content by M. Johnson is fire, so uh, we should be very grateful that we have that this year, um, but playing short slates is is very profitable because there is not the same level of detail going into content for them. So that's huge. And then also playing small dollar tourneys. I won a, uh, basically on, on $2 worth of entries last week, I had a $350 profit or, you know, $348. Um, uh, it came first in a 1700 entry one and then first in a 356 entry one. Uh, this is something that I didn't use to do nearly as much uh, was to play these small dollar tourneys. The reason this is so beneficial uh, and I started doing this last year and has already paid off for me this year now is for one you can be a little bit more creative because you're not so concerned about the dollar amount you can pull the trigger on things that you wouldn't otherwise in a higher dollar tourney so that part is really interesting just from like a, a creative um lineup building standpoint and to do so just really doesn't affect your bottom line all that much if you're just throwing in a handful of one dollars here and there um, you can try some things that you might not otherwise and you could potentially have a great roi to pad your bankroll a little bit so between that piece and what i mentioned uh with the short slates should also be playing showdowns because and this has been talked about by just about everybody at OWS but the more slates you can play the more contests you can play between showdowns short slates main slate you give yourself an opportunity to realize your edge when we have such a short NFL season variance just hits in such a massive way and so giving yourself a chance to do that over a handful of slates in a given weekend you know if you're playing five different slates you know if you're playing all the short slates showdowns in a weekend uh five opportunities to realize your edge as opposed to just one is a big difference Finally, finally here, there is a massive psychological benefit of winning first place, even if it is not a ton of money. I've mentioned this before, 
last year, I think uh, I won one of the $10 hundos. So it's not, you know, it's not some crazy amount of money, but it just feels so good to essentially to like know that you know what you're doing. And that reinforcement will always be beneficial. I'm not a high stakes player. I'm not a pro. I don't do this for a living. So I can't say this with certainty, but I would just about guarantee you that any of those guys would tell you the same thing, that getting first place is just so, so beneficial for the psychological component to DFS, which DFS is mainly a psychological game. Um, So don't underestimate that. And so don't feel like entering a $1 contest where the first place prize is 50 bucks or something like that isn't worth your while because it is. Anywhere you can win, it is going to help your play and reinforce the fact that you actually do know what you're doing and uh, are, are a sharp DFS player. All right. With that, that'll wrap up my my quick uh, bullet points from last week. I went a a little bit long here. I think shoot to have this as a, a pretty manageable 30 minute podcast or so every week. Uh, I am a bit long winded, so uh, we'll we'll make sure Roto Maven keeps me in check. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to be back with you guys. Uh, thanks a ton for hanging out, and I'm excited to see you in Discord. I'm at Beefritz12, and I'm excited to see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Mm-hmm.